I think we all have those moments in our life where we wake up. And I think that was the moment where I realized I was living off of someone else's script. I was representing someone else's voice, but I hadn't found my own voice yet. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. On today's episode of the Find Your Voice podcast, I get to talk with Melody Miles, who has an amazing story of becoming an author from the most unlikely circumstances. Now, when I say unlikely, let me explain to you exactly what I mean. Melody started as a scientist, actually an infectious disease expert at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. She's a brilliant woman, someone who dedicated her entire life to launching a global campaign to end malaria. But then when a series of life events hit her in the face, like a two by four, as she describes on the episode, she realized that despite all of the good work she was doing in the world, she had sacrificed her own voice. This is the point in her story when she ended up on my doorstep, quite literally. And like so many of the writers we work with at Find Your Voice, she wasn't exactly sure what she was doing there. She didn't know what she was working on yet. She just knew that she needed to write and she knew she couldn't do it alone. So she was seeking some help. What emerged over the course of the next two years is profound and beautiful, and I'm so excited for you to hear Melody tell you all about it. I'm going to let her tell you in her own words during today's episode, but the gist of it is that Melody has not only crafted a message that is changing the way an entire generation thinks about self-care, she's also helping hundreds of leaders create space in their life to rest and to breathe through a process she calls soulcation all because she answered the invitation that writing offered to her. I'm honored, I'm excited for you to hear the rest of Melody's story today and for you to get to know her on today's episode the way I have over the last two years of working with her. I've had the privilege of working with Melody in a professional capacity and also knowing her as a friend and a colleague. I hope um, you're as inspired by her story as I am. I know you will be. And At the very least, I hope it encourages you to find more space in your life, to rest, to breathe, to be exactly who you are, and who knows, maybe it will even inspire you to write like Melody did. Well, there's so many things I want to talk to you about today. I think I want to start with the Melody before I knew you. (laughs) So what has it been? Maybe two years or close to it. Uh, tell, just tell us a little bit about your life back then before you and I ever met. Yes. Before you and I ever met, I was a staffer at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for about seven years. So I managed their Africa portfolio and I represented someone else's voice in the global stage. You know, with diplomats, with heads of state, I traveled to 30 African countries and managed about $100 million of Bill and Melinda's philanthropic investments in Africa. So I was very much living in my masculine energy. I was a scientist, very database, had not tapped into my creativity at all, probably hadn't written a word in years, even though I always dreamed and said I 
wanted to write a book someday and very much was living off of a script of how my life should go, good job, good house, getting married and had done some of those things, but was deeply anxious and deeply um, dissatisfied inside and didn't know really what to do about that. So you you were married at the time and some other things I know about that period of time in your life, you were insanely busy. I mean, you talked about that traveling to 30 countries and managing how much, how much did you say you were managing? $10 million? It was about $100 million a year. Yeah. So a, quite a stressful job that you were in and working around the clock. Yes. And really kind of burning the candle at both ends. What were the first signs for you that this, the way you were living your life wasn't mm-hmm. working? Well, I always talk about the big sign, which really catalyzed this whole journey for me, which was having my very first panic attack on the the bathroom floor at the Gates Foundation, actually having to get up out of a meeting with very senior people and, you know, palms sweating, body shaking. I had never had a panic attack before, so I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was wrong with me. So that was really kind of the cosmic two by four that got me to wake up. And I ended up having to go to the emergency room. And, you know, I swore that it was like, I'm carrying the world's next emerging infectious disease. Um, I just returned from Africa and they had to very kindly let me know that it really was just panic and anxiety. So that was the moment kind of of, of no return when I couldn't get up off the bathroom floor. But I would say before that, I lived a lot in my head I really didn't know how to feel my feelings. And so in response, I kind of controlled my life and planned everything and um, had a lot of people pleasing and perfectionist tendencies, which actually led to a very successful career. Yeah. But ironic that some of these tools we use to cope with our emotions in unhealthy ways actually can almost help us compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't face all that pain and grief, but I actually was able to operate in very emotional, high intensity, high poverty, complex situations in my work life. So what was happening is my work life was growing while my my personal life was, or kind of like my emotional world was very much withering. Yeah. And at some point in this process, you lost your mom. Yes, I did. So my marriage ended and my mom passed away semi-suddenly from cancer in like about a six month period. Wow. And is that part of what precipitated the panic attack for you? Yeah. So like life threw me a a cosmic two by four to the head. I think we all have those moments in our life where we wake up. And I think that was the moment where I realized I was living off of someone else's script. I was representing someone else's voice, but I hadn't found my own voice yet. I love that transition. So I actually forgot to ask you the first question that we always ask, which is what does it mean to you to find your voice? I'll jump in with that question now. What does it mean for you to find your voice? It's so important. And to me, it actually means unlearning all of the voices that I inherited that were never mine to begin with. Like I wholeheartedly believe that we have two needs in life. We need belonging and we also need self-expression. I know this is true in my life that there was memos I inherited of what a good wife and what a good employee meant and kind of inherited scripts of what it means to kind of exist in in the family and in the in in community and so finding my voice was really about unlearning all of the other voices and unlearning all the other almost like voices in my head that didn't serve me and weren't true 
And so it really was a process of shedding and unlearning before I could find my voice, because I was very, very good as a diplomat of representing other people's voices and communicating clear messages and making powerful statements and influencing change. That wasn't a problem for me. The problem for me was really discerning what was my truth in a world where I had absorbed and taken on so many other voices as my own. Wow. That just feels like such an important statement. And I want to have you talk about entering into the season where you started to do this. You start, there were some things, some actions you took that helped you to unlearn these other voices and to begin to start to find the sound of your own voice. So what were some of those things that you did? I think the first one was create space in my life, which for me at the time did mean after a, a multiple month discernment process, quitting my job. But I don't think it has to mean that for other people. I think it the most important thing was creating emotional space, physical space, almost like there was so many masks and identities that I was wearing that I needed that space to kind of step away from myself and observe them and start taking off that armor. And so I was grateful to have the opportunity to take a sabbatical, which is where that spaciousness really let me reconnect to myself because I had tried, I would say for like nine months before to go on a healing journey that was really outward focused, right? So talking to the best experts and reading the best books and really looking for the answer outside of myself. And I was perpetuating that same narrative of like, I don't have the right voice. I don't have the right information. I need to look outside of myself. And I think this step of quitting my job, selling most all of my belongings, and I ended up kind of setting out with a a suitcase and a smartphone that turned out to be about a year living in 12 countries around the world. But all of that was really giving myself permission to turn inward and turn towards myself in a world that felt like it was always screaming for me to kind of live outside myself. And that that space I created in my life ultimately let me experiment with my identity, let me experiment with my voice, let me experiment with what was true and what I wanted in a very kind of gracious, easy way that ultimately um, resulted in me leaning into more of this creative work now. But if I didn't have that space and I didn't give myself permission to be lost and to wander and to not know and to spend as long as I needed kind of letting go of the things that were no longer serving me, I couldn't have just jumped right into to finding my voice and having clarity and knowing what the next thing is. And I think so many people make the mistake when we go through tragedy, whether it's death or divorce or a job loss or economic hardship that we kind of so quickly jump to fix the problem that we don't really create space just to feel those feelings, to connect with ourselves, and to trust that the next right thing will almost come to us, that we don't always have to push harder that we can actually trust the metric of ease and, and lightness. And so giving myself the sabbatical was the first time that I invested in myself and I chose a path of ease in order to get through suffering rather than a, a path of, I think, fighting. Um, and it was the best thing I ever did in my life. It's such an important word for us right now to the current season that we're living in, you know, <laughs> of just the year 2020, global pandemic, economic meltdown, <laughs> um, you know, like unemployment rates at an all-time high. And then um, the sort of like boiling to the surface, finally, hopefully some change for Black Lives Matter and um, racial tension boiling to the surface protests. And just to remember to create that space for ourselves and allow ourselves to really stay present and feel what's happening because the, you know, what I hear you saying is the transformation is all in the experience, the presence, the 
allowing ourselves to really feel and experience what's going on. And it can be tempting, so tempting to exit out by being productive and efficient. And (laughs) which leads me to my next question. You've mentioned creativity a couple of times. Talk to me about the role that creativity played for you in that space that you created for yourself. Yeah. Well, I think I landed on your doorstep kind of the, you know, I I left the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on a Friday and I probably landed on your doorstep on a Monday or something like that with a vision of writing a book. And I will be honest to say, I kind of just told people I was going to write a book because I didn't want to get another job. I was offered some other jobs. I wanted a break. And it was like, oh, people just won't question me if I just tell them I'm writing a book for a while. I don't know if I was sure I was going to really do it. I was just like, oh, this is what I'm telling people to like give myself some space. And it ended up transforming everything for me because I'm I'm not a feeler. I had lived in my head for so many years and I hadn't, I had anger and I had rage and I didn't realize that underneath that was grief and was pain that really just was unprocessed. And I didn't know how to access those parts of me. Um, And now like I teach and coach others on how you really move into freedom in your life is to turn towards your discomfort, turn towards your pain, kind of go deep in it, process it and let it move through you. And so writing was the way that I was able to access those deep, true feelings. And to really say to myself, like admit to myself, my shame, admit to myself, my truth, admit to myself my mistakes in life, admit to myself the things that weren't, that I wish weren't true, but were true. Like I did not have the skills to do that out loud vocally in my life. And so writing was the tool that gave me those skills. And ultimately, which, which um, is is what set me free. And me and you outlined a book, I think, when was that? Um, December, 2018. It really was a memoir that I always say I had to write that book in order to become the person that has a message I can go out into the world. But that first Mm -hmm. book was really all about me making sense of my own story and my own truth. And I think we all, I mean, what a gift that I was able to work with you and do that. But it was from the depths of understanding that story that now I, you know, there's deep truths in my bone that I've, bones that I've lived through that I've experienced that now, you know, I'm on fire to tell others. I love it. And the the writing process is what cemented those truths for you is what I hear you saying. Yeah. The writing process. And, and while I was traveling, I almost kind of took a focus group approach of I would write things and then read them out loud or kind of test ideas with strangers. I think our communities, they can be safe, but when we're going through transition, they can also almost like reinforce old norms or old ways of thinking. And part of finding my voice was also just like finding my my truth and my ideas and what I believed and like what I wanted, like what made me happy and what really made me come alive. And, you know, it was scary to admit that when I had, you know, a great job and was working for famous people and everyone on the outside said that I should be happy with that. But that came from a place of external validation rather than internal validation. So the writing process and really, I think, engaging almost strangers, like inviting them into my process in a way really kind of confirmed. I would read out loud my truth to these strangers because I was too embarrassed to read it to friends at the time. And they would be like, oh, me too. Like, oh, I've had that experience. And it was after so many conversations of me too, that I started realizing that I had nothing to hide. That's really beautiful. What a beautiful way to say that. So can we talk about, I want to talk about the contents of the book that you, that came out of this whole process. But first I'd love to talk about just 
the writing process itself. So part of that process for you was just kind of showing up on my doorstep and being like, I think I'm going to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about kind of like take me through the process of how, how you even got from there to executing on the manuscript. So maybe some of the obstacles that you bumped into along the way. So that obviously day with you where we, we took my story, we took the things we had been through and you do a brilliant job of helping kind of make meaning of them. And really it was the first time I saw myself as, Oh, I can be the hero of my own story. And Ali, I think that day in your living room, I hadn't really even overcome a lot of the things I was struggling with, mm-hmm. um, but you gave me that vision. And I remember outlining on, on note cards, kind of my different pain points and then the paradigm shifts. And I literally carried those note cards to all 12 countries I lived in the world. Like, right. Like mm-hmm. if security would like search through my bag, I'd be like, not the note cards. Don't mess up the note cards. <laughs> so for anyone listening, I wholeheartedly believe in Ali's process and what can be done in a day. But in terms of the the discipline, I did on writing days, like button chair, you know, putting a thousand words down each day and really just trusted the outline. I think so many people can get up in their heads. And I always tell this to my writing friends that I now believe clarity comes through engagement, not through thought. So, you know, there can be so much time wasted in, is this outline right? Is this story right? I think what really helped me in working with you is I was like, well, we've got it, right? Like we have something down and I just did something. And then I came back after my travel with something and I started sharing that with people and that engagement ultimately led to it, you know, not being the right book, it needing to be reshaped, you know, new ideas for the title and the framing and the kind of ultimate final product. But it was it was through the doing, it was through the action that I received clarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think clarity comes through engagement, not through thought. Is that, is that what you said? Yes. Clarity comes through engagement, not through thought. And that has changed my writing life from being very much up in my head, a solo sport, you know, being so frustrated with myself. I think lots of writers struggle with self-criticism mm-hmm. and it's a very difficult, lonely journey because you're going inward, but you're also doing a lot of hard work yourself. And so whenever I get stuck, I really remind myself that like, oh, I'm not going to get unstuck through being up in my head fighting for the answer. I'm going to, I would need to read this out loud to someone. I need to bring people together in my living room to hear my words. I need to just like talk about it with my friends and conversation in order to really clarify what it is that I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it just brought so much more joy to the process when we do things in engagement rather than always up in our head. It's such an important paradigm shift for people to remember who are listening, who get frustrated and stuck, like we all do in our writing, that what happens when we try to clarify through thought is we circle and circle and circle and circle. You can talk yourself into things and out of things a hundred times in your head. And it's, I haven't heard it stated that way, but that's such a great way to say it that the, the getting unstuck really doesn't come from sitting there and thinking about it more. You just get yourself. It's like the visual in my head is like tires spinning and they're just spinning a deeper hole in the mud versus, uh, capturing some traction really comes from what you're saying is from engaging with these ideas with other people. Yeah. And, and for some writers, the the outcome may not be a, a book or a traditionally published book. And I think that's okay. There was a lot of times during the process, I realized I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like writing a book mm. is really hard. 
but I know I can engage on these ideas. I know that this process is changing me. I know that my life is changing. I mean, maybe we haven't talked about it, but you asked what my writing process was like. My writing process followed a process of massive career transition as well, from leaving my world as a philanthropist and diplomat to you know, launching a creative business and believing in myself enough to start my own business and identify myself as a creative and get coaching in, you know, in entrepreneurship, in writing, in branding and marketing. When you set out to write a book, it's not just writing words, it's also selling the book, which I didn't realize that day in your living room. But my path really, my writing gave me the confidence to take the next step, which ultimately has led me to a full commitment and a different kind of career and path that I never would have imagined if I wouldn't have spent all those hours writing words that maybe the world will never see, but which changed me in the ways I needed to be changed to become the person that feels in most in alignment with my calling. Yeah, let's talk about that change. I mean, I think you've touched on some of it, but paint a picture for me of how life is different now than it was when you were working at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Paint a picture for me of, of the differences. I think that the highest level, I always say it's now I'm living life on my terms. And I know in some ways I'm, I'm privileged to be able to do that. But I took so many orders from other people. I worked so many hours. I felt like I was always behind, never enough. And I realized that there was a different way of living, that I was setting goals in my life based on what I wanted to achieve, right? Based on this definition of success that someone else set for me, that the more money you have in the bank and the more influential your job is, the more important people you know, whatever, the more successful and happier you're going to be, which I lived that story for a short time and can tell you that that's not true. Like I was the least happy in my life um, when I had those things. Hmm. But now I set goals based on how I want to feel. And so what happened in my writing journey is I started shifting to saying, I'm going to prioritize how I want to feel in my day-to-day life. Even if it is the most ordinary things that make me the most happy, I'm going to make sure I can do them. And so that ultimately made me realize that I can't go back to the same job and the same lifestyle because I care so deeply about feeling good and leaning into the things that bring me joy. And I thought I needed to be extraordinary in this world. Mm -hmm. And I realized it was like the ordinary things that were making me the happiness. And so I came back to the U.S. after traveling and really set some some clear criteria about what success looked like in my life. And it was not about what I achieved as much as it was about um, how I lived my day-to-day life in freedom and in lightness and in ease and trusting that I could choose softness and and really step into my feminine energy, which was a big shift for me and build a business based on that more feminine, creative part of me wow. and trust that that could be the engine to drive my life forward. So now... I am completely location independent. I don't own a home. I have plans once COVID ends to to work in in different countries around the world. I work from my laptop. I get to say yes to a lot of spontaneous things and set my schedule. And it is such a gift and so fun to feel that freedom for the first time in my life. I would love to hear more too about how uh, you've talked about this business a couple of times. You've created this creative business for yourself. 
where that more feminine energy gets to thrive. Tell us about how you're taking the insights you've gained through processing your own story and now you're giving back to others. Mm -hmm. So the business is called Sulcation. I haven't said that. And it is also likely the title of my book, but the mission is to help people design a life they don't need a vacation from. The business includes both coaching and masterminds and is a business that really is based off the fact that what I experienced is when I created space in my life and chose myself for the first time, everything changed. And so For anyone, whether you're kind of overwhelmed with your to-do list, whether you feel busy, whether you don't have enough time for yourself, I feel like everyone is waiting for permission that they can give themselves. Mm. I really just feel like the lesson I've learned is that we all are looking for a permission slip. And if we just create enough space and go inward, we realize that we have permission to choose that big, scary dream, to choose that longing, to lean into what feels good and not care about other people's opinions. And so I really just want to create community and empower women to choose themselves. And I believe it does usually take a process of sulcation where you're stepping away, where you're reflecting, where you're kind of telling your people that you're going to be a bit more absent. You're going to be doing some of your own work. But the ultimate goal is really to design a life that you don't just, you know, live for that vacation in Bora Bora and then come back exhausted and overwhelmed and you hate your boss and your schedule is too full. And I hear women all the time tell me how busy they are and how they wish they weren't busy. And it's like, we have this epidemic of busyness and they're wearing it as a status symbol. Like, look at me. I'm so great. I'm busy. You know, like, how are you doing busy? And we're all applauding each other for being busy. Yet we're like suffering inside. And so I'm just on, I learned that there's another way that you don't have to be busy. And so based on that, my own journey, my business is all about helping women escape busy. I love it. And you're helping people through your mastermind program, which you said filled up in what, a couple of days? Yeah. In 48 hours. So there's clearly a need. Yeah. Just a reminder that so many women just don't know how. And I think that it, that there is that desire there. So we'll be opening another one probably in the fall. Okay. I'm doing it with, her name is Whitney Otto. She's a former U.S. Olympic athlete and um, a more embodiment therapist. And I think a lot of this is really coming back to your body and trusting your body. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of the soul care work and how to create space and create your morning routine. And she does a lot of, of um, the content related to kind of coming back home to your body and trusting with your body. When you feel anxiety, when you feel stress, you usually feel it first in your body. And that's a trigger to yeah. make a different decision. That's true. That's real right there. That has been my experience too. So the, the business is called Soulcation. You're doing these mastermind groups. You've got a book that is in the, we'll talk about the publishing process in just a second, but the book is called Location. It's TBD coming out in the world. You've got an agent you're working with and pitching to publishers. But can you tell us what, like, just in, you know, I know this is, it's a big ask because this is what you spend all of your time teaching people to do. But in a, in a, in a few minutes, what is a location and how can I take one if I think I need one? <laughs> yeah. A location is just a different type of vacation. So So many of us go on vacation, but we numb out and we distract ourselves and we escape from our lives. And so the concept is why not take, you know, a few days of your vacation time a year and actually um, spend time with yourself. 
going inward. And so it's all about turning down the noise in the world so that you can kind of turn up your internal noise and get clear on what you want and what makes you happy. Mm. So you can design your life with more of that. And whenever I ask people what they do on vacation, it's interesting because they always tell me things that they really could do in their everyday life, that there are a lot of rhythms that people, you know, speak to me that, 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 that they look forward to on vacation that really could, you know, long walks, meals, um, you know, writing in the morning, uh, you know, a yoga class on the beach, but it, it usually actually is more doable than people think. So a location is going to be unique for every person. And it is often, a, you know, a few months of creating more space. I, I, I've been telling clients, it's, they can call it the summer of self-love, right? I a, love it. An intentional time that you're spending with yourself, that you're doing things that make you happy. Or usually most women don't actually know fully what makes them happy. And so yeah. um, there's a ex- kind of a season of experimenting with what that is. Um, and I actually have on my website a free guide on how to kickstart your location. There's 12, there's 12 steps that I walk my clients through. At the highest level, it's about creating space. So clearing time in your calendar for yourself and what you're going to do with that time, turning towards your discomfort. So some of the kind of emotional work of acknowledging what's stressful and painful in your life, and then choosing yourself. So essentially be getting clear on decisions and choices that will take away that pain, take away that busyness and really honor yourself. So those are the, the three main steps. Tell me where we can get that guide. Where can we go download it? Um, melodymiles.com. It's completely free right there on the homepage and has kind of the outline of the 12 steps and journal questions for each step. So it was a great free resource. And I truly believe anyone can take a soulcation. And it really is just language for all those women kind of looking for permission again to take care of themselves. I think the language can be helpful for people to just tell their people that they're taking a soulcation for a while. So if that resonates with anyone, you can go grab that free guide on my website, melodymiles.com. I love that. We, I think we, this is a concept we can all use too, because I would put myself in a category of people who I'm pretty aware of my internal world and I've done a lot of internal work and yet still I can get into a pattern in my life where the external noise is so loud that it's hard to, um, you know, we're in a, as we're recording this, we're in a weird season right now where like LA, we're still on lockdown as we're recording this. Not, that's not true everywhere, but, um, but it's been for me like forced kind of slowdown. And I'm reminded in this forced slowdown of how often I say yes to things I don't want to say yes to because I can't say no, or it feels like if I say no, someone's going to think that I'm, for example, turning down an invite to a bridal shower or baby shower or something. And there are just all kinds of things that we say yes to because we feel like we don't have another option. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think even for those of us who feel like we are kind of, you know, I think we have several listeners probably who feel like they're on a path of emotional, emotional health and growth and whatever. And there's just never a time that we reach in our lives where we can't use just those reminders. The permission slip is a great way to say it, that you can, you can choose the shape of your own life. You can say yes to what you want to say yes to. And you always have the opportunity and the option to say no to what doesn't work for you. Mm, I love that example. I don't always talk about this, but like the deep problem that I really care about solving in the world is the self-abandonment. And I think we often say yes when we mean no. 
because we want to belong or we want to fit in, but we're really abandoning ourselves, you know, in small ways and big ways and really kind of learning how to say yes or no. And it's all part of that process of really believing in our own self-worth, caring for ourselves. There's so many small examples that really bring us out of alignment sometimes and bring us, like pull us more into busyness. And so I love that you mentioned that. And yes, in this world we're living in, I think we're all slowing down. And it's interesting what's resonated the most. I've, I've talked about the difference between numbing rest and restorative rest. Mm. And I think when we don't, when we haven't built the skills of sitting with ourselves, reflecting on our unconscious thoughts, like being with ourselves, even when we have more time, we go to Netflix or socializing on Zoom or, you know, people are wanting to fill their schedules during this time yeah. because that's all they've known. Yeah. And so really is a new practice to what does restorative rest look like versus just kind of checking out, numbing out, distracting, which we need. We can't always kind of feel our pain and grief. We need that sometimes. But I really do think in this season, it's been interesting just to have conversations with friends and notice myself that in the stress of what's happening in the world, I I have definitely gotten to more numbing rest. Um, And I think the call for all of us is to connect with ourselves in a way that feels more restorative. Yeah, that's so great. Such an important distinction. Um, I hope everyone goes to melodymiles.com and downloads that free resource because what a valuable resource for us all to have anytime in our lives. I want to talk with you about, I know we have people listening who are interested in publishing. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about your journey to publishing because you mentioned at the beginning of this episode that you weren't sure where this journey was going to take you. You just knew you were beyond the journey. At what point in the process did it turn for you to a decision to try to share this with a wider audience? And what has that process looked like for you? Mm, Such an important question. And for the listeners that are watching that are the beginning of the process, I am so thankful that I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. I didn't think about publishing, honestly, for a year, because it was just such a sweet time to find my truth without thinking about the sales and the marketing and the target reader. I love that, you know, you told me write it like a love letter and I I really did do that. But I think when I came back to the U.S. after my travels, after doing a lot of writing, I was starting to actually interview for jobs in the, in the global health space again. And it was becoming very clear, like, oof, I don't like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like I've changed. This isn't for me anymore. And that was when I realized that I, I potentially could turn this book into something bigger. And I reached out to a lot of people to get advice. I I mean, I certainly reached out to you, Allie, and started working on a traditional book proposal. And it was a commitment to myself to say, I'm going to give this a try, right? Like, as I started digging into it, I realized how much work it was, not just in terms of being a creative, but honestly, in terms of branding, marketing, selling, And I knew nothing, right? Like I'm an expert in malaria, you know, like I knew nothing about selling anything. So I knew it was going to be a multiple year learning journey. And I just said, I'm going to try this. And the best thing I did was just bring around people who had walked that journey ahead of me and experts. And so, you know, you and Annie and the team at Find Your Voice really did help me with my book proposal and that guidance was invaluable. I believe it. I had a story and I brought, I mean, I brought back my memoir. I think you remember that, Allie, like, here's my memoir. I think this is what I want to publish. And you had to like very kindly 
be like, I think there's a gem in here, but we actually need to lift away your story and pull out what's going to serve a reader. And that was the, that's when I really was like, oh, this is not about me. Like I needed that time for my writing journey to be about me. And I think it's really okay for authors to have that season. But if you do want to publish, you also then have to shift to what is going to most serve the reader. And so then we went through another month long process to really clarify that. And I ended up, you know, through connections, having conversations with, with multiple agents, which I'm really grateful for and decided on the one that just felt the lightest, the easiest. I think there's a lot of conversations when you talk to agents about all the marketing plans and all the business development and all the growth. And, you know, it can be endless. Like I could have spent five years of my life doing, you know, marketing. And so I had to be clear on what the object, like what was success for me for this book. And I had to remind myself, like, I get to tell the agents what I think is successful and what I'm willing and not willing to do when it comes to marketing. And once I got clear on that, then it really just flowed. Like the decision was easy. And so I'm still at the beginning of the process, um, just signed my literary agent contract a few weeks ago, but really excited and committed for the road ahead. I love it. And you, you guys have started pitching to publishers, right? You've gotten some good feedback. We have. Yeah. I've had like my first pitch meeting and the others are scheduled in another month or so, but it is, I think whenever your work is evaluated by others, you can take it personally. It can feel so objectifying. And so to really have lived this and have deep clarity, my truth, but also I think Allie, you know, going back to your question of finding your voice, I believe in this book, but I also believe that I can change my mind and write another book. And like, this is the truth that I know deep in my soul now, right? In June, 2020, this is the truth that I'm putting out in the world that I'm pitching to publishers. But I also want to live a life where we're allowed to shift and change. And I hope I get to write other books. And so, you know, you can contort and maneuver and, you know, it can become this really strategic thing that has to be perfect. And obviously there's going to be lots of eyes on it, but I really do want to move through this process, releasing my perfectionism, owning Mm. the moment. I think books can be so, you know, they're printed. It feels like it's like the truth because it's in a book. And I really just am approaching this with, this was my story that I lived and there's going to be another hero's journey and another story but if I, I mean, some of the, you know, some of the literary agents were like, well, we can wait three years and build your brand. And I was like, no, 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 no. I think this just needs to be out in the world now. So as someone who's worked as a donor and reviewed a lot of proposals in my other world, it's been fascinating to see how the traditional publishing industry works. And I'm sure people, I'm sure people are going to be listening to this. No criticism, but just we all need a little bit, I think, more lightness in the writing process and for it to be the truth in the moment. Um, but we can always add to the story. Incredible. That's such good advice for writers who are listening, who are hopeful to publish. Really, really good advice. It's There's no question in my mind that the woman who I met in December of 2018, that you have so completely transformed, uh, not like changed, like you were bad back then and you're good now, but just that you've for lack of a better way to say it, you've blossomed, you've come into yourself, you've, you seem more settled and grounded and confident and the truest, truest version of that woman that I first met. So I, you know, I'm just really excited for you and for what's ahead and, and proud of this process that you've surrendered yourself to 
it's really powerful to watch happen. It's an honor to be a part of it. And I'm just really excited for you. Mm, Thanks, Allie. And yeah, for anyone out there listening who's a scientist who hasn't picked up a pen, who has a day job that doesn't involve writing, just if you're listening, you can always change your life. You can always begin again. You can always do the next right thing and call Allie. And yes, I was that girl with a tiny seed of a dream and had no idea how. And it's been many years, but that that change is possible. And people are here to shepherd you through it. And that's one thing I tell people all the time that I haven't done this alone. And I think you might have told me how many, you know, how most books we pick up in the world are are, are written and created in a team. And so you've yeah. been a great yeah. team member, editor, friend, coach, and certainly so happy to be in your corner and cheer you on, but definitely believe in, in the process you're offering people and the invitation you're offering to just connect with yourself through words, which is the most powerful thing we have is our own words. Thank you, Melody. Well, you you listen to our podcast, so you know that this is the last question we ask. It's kind of a big question, but doesn't have to be super intense or serious. The question is born out of this idea that words are the most powerful way we have to generate positive change in our personal lives and in the wider world. So I'm curious if you were to put into words what you want to leave behind, a message you want to leave behind with the world, what that would be. Mm, Yeah. That Melody was never afraid to change her mind, to change her life, to begin again as many times as she needed to come into alignment with her true self and her true freedom and voice. And that the letting go and the surrendering and the giving up that she did Mm -hmm. in her life was equally as important as the kind of achieving and hitting milestones and accomplishing things. Amazing. Perfect place to end. Thank you again, Melody, for spending the time with us today. I know our listeners are going to be as excited to hear from you as I am. So yeah, we're just really grateful. Thank you, Allie. So much love. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.